Hey guys, if you don't recognize my voice, it's Henry Ettinger from Blue Wire Pods coming to you on The Rebuild. I'm going to be helping out Peter Moses and Jordan Zern, bringing you some more Browns content on this feed. Just want to get you as much Browns content as possible out there. Just a quick 30 seconds on me and then we'll get to the pod. I I was at ESPN Cleveland, actually didn't overlap with the Zern while he was there. Then uh, at, at WKYC in Cleveland as well before coming out to Chicago. And uh, I'm doing some work for, uh, for Blue Wire, uh, the, the company that's bringing you this podcast. But uh, that's, that's enough about me. Uh, and Peter tends to bring the lighthearted side of this. Jordan's going to bring you guys some good guests and some great content as well. And I'll kind of fill in the gaps in the, the middle, just bringing you a, a little bit of, of analysis from a, a hardcore fan like all you guys out there. So... That's it, and uh, let's get to it. This is The Rebuild on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. You got to watch Landry down the seam. Mayfield towards the end zone. It is caught. Was he in? Yes. Donovan Peoples Jones. Baker Mayfield taking his shot. And the Browns have retaken the lead. Hello, everybody, and welcome on into the rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, and that's how the game-winning touchdown sounded for the Browns on Sunday afternoon. I'm I'm still getting chills when I hear it, still buzzing a little bit. The Browns drive down, 106 left to go, no timeouts. Baker leads the team down the field for that game-winning touchdown. A beautiful pass down the sideline to Donovan Peoples-Jones, the Browns' sixth-round draft pick this year, and that capped off a 37-34 win, bringing the Browns to 5-2. But it's funny. It's funny. The Browns are 5-2 and two and really showing some promise for the first time in a handful of years. And still, the conversation circles around doubt. It, it circles around Baker Mayfield and people just not, not believing in him nationally. It's all I've heard all week, really, even after that victory in which Baker throws five touchdowns, sets the franchise record for completions in a row, which only was broken because of a spike anyway. And still, it's, well, it's Cincinnati. It's always the Bengals. Yada, yada. Did you see two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw two weeks ago, too, actually. I watched all the games for the Browns. And, and, and it's a really strange place to be right now as a, as a Browns fan. Where, you know, how do you feel on Baker? It feels like, you know, you either have to hate Baker and and it's just, oh, that was the Bengals, or you have to love him and defend him. And it's so, as we've seen the last two weeks, Baker's a little bit of a week-to-week quarterback right now. That much, I think, everybody, you know, who has their head on straight and watches this team on a consistent basis can see that he's inconsistent that against the best of the best he hasn't brought it yet this season to the level that he has against some of the other teams that the Browns have played but that doesn't mean that he has to be a bust right now it's like so many people across both the national media and really in Browns nation have given up on him to some degree I know I wasn't the only one that saw it The, the tweets after that first pick that Baker threw on his first pass attempt from scrimmage Browns fans, the receipts are out there. There are a lot of people calling for Case Keenum and 
although I wasn't one of them, it demonstrates how fragile this fan base is with, with Baker right now and how they stand with him. And while I understand that, I think there's such a there's such a rush to judge to to find one camp one way or the other. And I think if we've seen anything, not just from Baker, from the rest of the league right now, a lot of the quarterbacks are week to week quarterbacks. It's Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton. I mean, two weeks ago, everybody was ready to sign Cam Newton to an extension. Two weeks ago, everybody was ready to bench Jimmy Garoppolo for one of two different backups in San Francisco. And the reality is, right now for Baker Mayfield, is he's somewhere in the middle. He has that ceiling that caused him to get drafted number one, where he stands in the pocket and delivers with accuracy and makes all the throws. And he's also got the drawbacks of the decision-making that we've seen at times, too. And the nice thing for Browns fans is that, unlike Jimmy Garoppolo... Unlike Derek Carr, who we're going to see next week, and unlike Jared Goff to some degree is, well, Baker's still young. He's got time. So I know everybody wants to jump on one way or the other about Baker Mayfield. It just, it, the Browns are five and two. It doesn't feel like that with, with how much vitriol is coming towards Baker Mayfield right now. And, and I just, that part can't be, uh, Un, you know, overstated enough is that the Browns are achieving at a level this year that they haven't in other years. And so at least Baker isn't holding them back from that success like we've seen with so many quarterbacks throughout this franchise's history, especially since returning to Cleveland in 1999. He is not holding them back from winning right now. I think you could say that there are other factors for the reason that the Browns are 5-2, and two, which we'll get into. Miles Garrett, Kevin Stefanski has to be high on that list. His play calling, his situational awareness, the way he handled timeouts at the end of that game, all those things, having an actual competent coach goes a long way for this franchise as well. But Baker also has played well enough for the Browns to be 5-2 and two right now. And it just, the conversation around him doesn't feel like it's getting to that enough. Yes, he was poor versus the Ravens. Yes, Two weeks ago versus the Steelers, he was disappointing. Maybe it was the ribs. Maybe it wasn't. But I also think in those games, his team around him didn't do him any favors. I thought that two weeks ago against the Steelers, it was the worst game our offensive line had played all season. And that doesn't mean our offensive line isn't good, but it's multiple factors that can go into it. And so, look, I'm at the place where I want to see more from Baker. I do. But people act like the, the Bengals aren't the worst defense we've seen in the last two decades. People act like there are a bunch of JV high schoolers out there. I looked it up. I, I, you know, I was like, are they last in the league? No. No, they're 25th. I mean, they're not, a, you know, a stonewall defense. They're not the Steelers. They're not the Ravens. But they're not the worst defense in the league. I'll tell you who has worst defenses. The teams were placed in the next couple of weeks. The Las Vegas Raiders are lower than them in pass defense. Jacksonville, they're lower than them in pass defense, who we're going to see shortly after the buys. So they're, you know, the Browns are beating who they're supposed to beat. This is a game that the old Browns lose. The defense isn't playing well. 
Odell gets hurt. Baker has a rough start. They're down at half, and it feels like, man, they're lucky to be down seven. This is a game the old Browns lose. But the combination of Baker and Stefanski and some of the other playmakers on this team led the Browns to victory. And for some reason, it feels like the conversation is getting away from that. And I can't quite figure out why, other than people want to just be entrenched in, you know, I hate Baker Mayfield or I love Baker Mayfield. They want to stake their place in those camps already. And if anyone should be in the wait-and-see mode right now, if there's anybody the Browns should be patient with, uh, the fan base in particular, it's got to be Baker Mayfield. Look, he's had three different head coaches in three seasons. The first one, yes, he's on ESPN Radio, clearly has not only some schematic challenges, but an ego that, that I'm sure was difficult to deal with. The second one was clearly not qualified as an NFL head coach, seeing as he's not even an offensive coordinator in the league after being fired. And the third one, who looks pretty damn good, didn't get a full offseason with Baker. So, look, there's a lot of season left before the Browns have to make up their mind on Baker Mayfield and that fifth-year option. And I know Browns fans may not want to hear this, but how about we let the season play out? How about we give Baker a chance you know, to get in more of these clutch situations where he has to prove himself? How does he look without Odell? Can he carry the team? I think there's plenty of more information that we're going to get out of these next nine games and hopefully more about Baker Mayfield before everyone has to make up their mind on him as the franchise quarterback for this team going forward. He's going to get another shot at Baltimore. He's going to get another shot at the Steelers. Hopefully this time, with a healthier team around him and healthier himself and with a better game plan and understanding of what they do. And so let's just see how that goes before we jump on him one way or the other. And that leads me to my second point. All of the talk this week about, is Baker better without Odell? Let's just get this out of the way right now. That's ridiculous. Now, I think the fairer question is, is the loss of Odell not as big to Baker as it would be to your average quarterback? And I think that's where there's a fair point. All right? That that part could certainly be true. And I think the reasons for that are, are pretty obvious. Uh, Baker loves loves number one throwing to tight ends. I think that much has always been clear going back to his days at Oklahoma. He loved using his tight ends then in Lincoln Riley system. It's been documented by basically everybody who watches the film and or looks at the analytics for the Browns that Baker has way more success out of 12 personnel than 11 personnel, two tight ends. Uh, instead of one, and that they did a lot of that when Freddie Kitchens took over the offense in 2018, and then they got away from it a little bit last year, and, and now they're back to it a lot. It's Kevin Stefanski loves to use 12 personnel, and Baker's been fantastic in 12 personnel this year. So that part is certainly a, a factor. Baker loves to use his tight end support than he does his receivers, and, and that's not necessarily an issue. I don't think it's a mistake that three out of Baker's five touchdowns against the Bengals were to his tight ends. And the Browns have a bunch of really good weapons at that position, arguably too many, <laughs> resulting in David Njoku wanting out of Cleveland. So I, that's one reason why that you know that narrative it, it could be out there. And, and the second, of course, is that the, it never has seemed like the Baker-Odell connection has, has fully formed chemistry-wise. 
it felt like and in week three against the Cowboys, who maybe they unlocked how they were going to use Odell, you know, in the as a deep play threat. That's his his future with Baker, but it just it doesn't seem like they found each other on a, a consistent week to week basis, and that's okay too. But that doesn't mean the Browns are better without Odell Beckham. That part, it, it, that's where it's too far. There's nothing better about having somebody, and, and as much as I like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins, who's finally gotten a chance to shine in this offense, I claimed him on both my fantasy teams this week immediately as fast as I could after watching that game on Sunday. But as good as those players could be, they're not Odell Beckham. They're not going to draw the attention that he does from defenses either, regardless of how well they play. They're never going to command the double teams that Beckham does. And so that's where the idea that the Browns are going to be better in the long term without Odell is just too, it's too far-fetched for me. It's too, it's too much for me to believe. Now, I don't think this team is going to be killed by it. They have plenty of weapons. Hopefully Nick Chubb's going to be coming back after the bye week to boost the running game, which is ultimately, I think, the identity of this team going forward. Same with Wyatt Teller on the offensive line, who's playing so well before that calf injury. But the loss of Odell Hurts, there, there's no doubt. And that part, it stings for sure. But I think the Browns can overcome it uh, and make the playoffs still the season and potentially, hopefully, you know, win, win some games now, halfway through the week, I think, you know, I want to transition into looking ahead toward the Raiders. The Browns have one more game before the bye week and have a chance to go 6-2. and two. It almost doesn't feel real saying that, that the Browns could go 6-2 and two with a win this week against the Raiders. And I think this is a fascinating matchup because I think the Browns are going to be able to take advantage of some of the Raiders' flaws in the back end some of their tendencies to bite on play action, those kind of things. As I mentioned, their pass defense is worse than the Bengals' defense by pretty much every statistical category. And according to the analytics, looking at pro football focus, looking at DVOA, basically by every way you size it up, it's not good. It's not good at all. And they looked really, really bad last week. Now, on the flip side... You know, the, the Raiders are coming in kind of with the opposite thing of the Browns, where two weeks ago against the Chiefs, they looked pretty formidable. And, and that's where I think if you're a Browns fan, you have some concerns. They had a bunch of explosive plays against the Chiefs. If any of you guys have seen Henry Ruggs either this year for the Raiders or in his time at Alabama, he is an explosive downfield receiver, and that ought to keep... Every Browns fan up at night having nightmares, uh, seeing what receivers have done to this secondary so far in terms of big plays. I think that part really will be the key to the game. And Denzel Ward had a much, much better game this week than he had the last couple weeks. And that's huge for the Browns going forward. They need him to be that number one guy to be able to leave him on an island because they just don't have the help around him in the back seven at all. And he, so he's going to have to play like the pro bowler that he has the last couple seasons in order for them to even just ha- you know stop the bleeding a little bit. And the safeties are just going to have to play better. They're going to have to not allow those big plays down the field. A lot of what Cincinnati did to the, the Browns was a little bit more of, of that short passing game. And Garrett certainly, I think, caused that. Once Miles Garrett had that strip sack, it felt like the Bengals went to a lot of three-step drops, a lot of screens, a lot of short intermediate throws. 
and the the Browns are going to need that again from their defensive line, pretty much like they have all season. It feels like a lot of times this defense basically, you know, comes down to is Miles Garrett or one of the other defensive linemen going to make a play to stop the drive and stop the momentum of the offense? And I think that's how this game's going to feel again. And then on the other side, can the Browns continue to establish their dominance on the offensive line? Can they continue to use play action? How does it look without Odell Beckham for a full game? And and can Baker really string it together for two weeks in a row? I think it's a simplistic way to look at the game, but but Derek Carr, I think, is a week-to-week quarterback. We're seeing that, and I think right now Baker Mayfield is a little bit as well. And I, you know, going back to Baker's rookie season, these two had a fantastic duel, and I would expect something similar to that again on Sunday. I like the Browns' chances, though. I do. I I think this team, I think they're figuring some things out. I think particularly Kevin Stefanski is figuring out how to call plays with Baker. And that part doesn't seem to be getting enough attention as well is Stefanski and Baker, look, they're seven games into this thing. And, and he's working, you know, with trying to figure out Baker's strengths, his weaknesses. And as that game went along, it felt like Stefanski really called a lot of plays that set Baker up for success, unlike at times earlier in the season. And I think that's just because he's learning about what what Baker Mayfield does best. So I think, to me, the Browns have a coaching advantage. And I also think, frankly, they have the more talented roster at this stage, especially given some of the Raiders' injuries in the back end. The fact that they're going to be dealing with some, you know, still bringing back that offensive line from the, the COVID I mean, really, catastrophe they had, you know, leading up to their game this week with with all those offensive linemen sitting out practice. And then uh, the the Browns will be on a bye after this week. So it, it really comes down to they've got one chance, you know, one game before they're off where they really have a chance to make their mark and continue to put the pressure on the Ravens and the Steelers. It's tough for Browns fans right now because it, although this team's 5-2, and two, it doesn't feel like it because they're still in third in their division. But right now the Browns are sixth in the AFC, and and coming into the year, I I think for most Browns fans that's a reasonable ex- expectation for this team was back into the wild card. The roster's got some holes; it's not perfect, but it's got enough talent that if Baker plays reasonably well, more like he did in 2018 than 2019, and if this if Kevin Stefanski is a you know brings what he was doing in Minnesota with him. That's where this team could fall. That was certainly my preseason expectation, 9-7-ish and seven-ish wild card, and hopefully go on the road somewhere and have a chance to pull out a game. I don't know about you guys, but I, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be, be scared of the Browns having to go on the road, especially if there's not going to be a full stadium in the playoffs. So I think right now the Browns are right on track. And although it doesn't feel that way at times, given the conversation around them, I think... Ultimately, that has to be the takeaway from this week. And if I'm a Browns fan right now, which I am, I'm feeling pretty good going in this Raiders game. I think the Browns have a very good chance to go 6-2. and two. They roll into the bye, and then look at their schedule going forward. Guys, it's not that daunting. It's the Texans, the Eagles, the Jaguars. They play three home games in a row, and then they go on the road, in a very manageable game against Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, and and after that, it gets a little bit tougher. But they have three games against 
teams with winning records the rest of the season, and two of those games are unavoidable, the Steelers and the Ravens. And guess what? If we're going to make the playoffs, we're going to have to run up against those teams at some point. But other than that, the Titans are the only team, and yes, the Browns have to go on the road for that game, but that's the only team they have left with a winning record outside of the division. It's the Giants, it's the Jets, and then, as I said, those three home games. Uh, it's a really workable schedule, guys, and I, I I think 10 wins is not at all out of the question right now. I'm feeling good as a Browns fan, and so I'm coming to you on this Wednesday night. It's late here. I've been working all day, and... I just I I still feel I feel good about where the Browns are right now. I I'm bringing the positive energy, Browns fan. You're not hearing it from everywhere else, but I'm gonna bring it to you. This team right now has five wins, and they're on track to meet their season's expectations. How often can we say that after seven weeks in the season? It feels like not a lot. So I'm feeling good. I hope you are too. Check out my man Jordan Zerma later this week on this feed, but. I'm Henry Ettinger. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday or Thursday probably for you guys as you hear this. And go Browns!